Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond in dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning. Um, I just love the way sometimes Quaker worship works out. Um, so Mark talked about a metaphysical map, and of course, I bring an actual map, um, which I'll talk about. Today's scripture comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 107, verses 4 through 7. They wandered lost in the wilderness, alone and out of the way. They found no safe place to dwell. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distress. And he led them along the right way to reach a place they could dwell in. In his book about the two years that he spent on Walden Pond, Henry David Thoreau wrote, I went into the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and not, and see if I could learn what it had to teach, and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. I did not wish to live what was not life, living is so dear, nor did I wish to live resignation, unless it was quite necessary. I wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life to live so sturdily and Spartan-like as to put to rout all that was not life, to cut a broad swath and shave close, to drive life into a corner and reduce it to its lowest terms. And if it proved to be mean, why then to get the whole and genuine meanness of it and publish its meanness to the world or if it proved to be sublime, to know it by experience and be able to give a true account of it on my next excursion. Legend has it that when Thoreau ventured into the wild woods of Maine, he fled in terror. I love paradoxical legends. So I researched this one and the legend is kinda true. In 1847, Thoreau left Concord, Massachusetts for Bangor, Maine, and the backwoods of northern Maine. He returned in 1853 and in 1857. In 1847, 
Thoreau tried and failed to climb Mount Katahdin in Maine. He was advised to leave a bottle of rum on the summit to appease the mountain spirit. The climbing party, which included a native guide, became lost in fog and never reached the summit. On their descent, while passing through what is called the burnt lands, Thoreau realized that he wasn't in Concord anymore. Instead, he was in a savage, damp, and intricate wilderness. It is even more grim and wild than anticipated, Thoreau said. The experience unnerved Thoreau. Compared with Walden Pond, the woods of Maine were vast, titanic, inhuman. It so left its impression that Thoreau's last words before he died were Indian and moose. I believe that Henry David Thoreau lost his nerve in the Maine woods because he lost his way. Last August, Kayleen and I took a map and compass training course at a scout ranch in New Mexico. We learned to find our way in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. We splashed through streams, wove through thickets of trees, got lost, found our way again, got lost again, found our way again, and made it to where we were supposed to go. But before we did that, we learned how to use a map and a compass. The key is to get your map pointed north so that what you see on the map matches what you see around you. In other words, get oriented instead of disoriented. Get your map pointed north. This is a skill useful not only in orienteering, but in life and in our spiritual practices. The poems of Jalaluddin Rumi are part of my spiritual map and compass. I've kept a journal for 30 years, and according to my journal, Rumi first found me on June 19, 1998, and the poem was so real that it took me on a journey of discovery, of Rumi and of, Sif of Sufi mystics that continues to this day. Rumi said in that poem, I tried to find him on the Christian cross. He was not there. I went to the temples of the Hindus and to the old pagodas, but I could not find a trace of him anywhere. I searched on the mountains and in the valleys, but neither in the heights nor the depths was I able to find him. I went to the Kaaba in Mecca, but he was not there either. I questioned the scholars and philosophers, but he was beyond their understanding. I then looked into my heart, and it was there where he dwelled, there where I saw him. He was nowhere else to be found. Rumi's place 
in the history of religions is as a bridge between faiths. When he died in 1273, representatives came from every major religion, Muslims, Christians, Jews, Buddhists, Hindus. They explained that Rumi deepens us wherever we are. Rumi's meeting with Shams Tabriz is a key to his religious inclusivity. Shams was outside ideas of wrong religion and right religion. He said that if the Kaaba were suddenly lifted up out of Mecca, we would see that each person is really bowing five times a day to every other person. All these religions, all this singing, one song. I grew up Pentecostal and then became Catholic and learned that there are intense disagreements even among those who follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. So it was mind-blowing when Rumi found me and I began to understand that differences in religions are illusions. What is praised is one, and so the praise is one too. So when I find myself saddened and distressed by bitter conflict between Muslims and Christians and Jews and Buddhists and Hindus, I pick up a, I pick up a book of Rumi poetry or listen to Coleman Barks read his interpretations of the Sufi master, and I get my map pointed north. Reorienting myself in a spiritual place, an actual spiritual place, not a metaphysical spiritual place, is critical for me too. For over a decade, I've gone to monasteries for spiritual retreats. The Trappist Abbey near Lafayette is my primary place to go for renewal and rest. Sitting in the chapel for prayers, hiking the hills, sitting in my room, eating simple meals, all of these bring me back to the here and the now. No matter how disoriented I may be when I arrive at the Trappist Abbey, that spiritual place will get my map pointed north and reorient me again. Henry David Thoreau lived for two years, two months, and two days in a cabin he built on Walden Pond. Two days after he arrived, he wrote, I wish to meet the facts of life, the vital facts, face to face. And so I came here. Life, who knows what it is? Who knows what it does? If I am not quite right here, I am less wrong than before. And now, let us see, let us see what this place will teach. In 1847, Thoreau left Walden Pond and moved in with Ralph Waldo Emerson and his family in Concord. But he found his way back to Walden, Walden Pond from time to time. And on the shores of Walden, his map was pointed north. I'll leave you with these queries. We all find ourselves disoriented from time to time. What do you do to point yourself 
in the right direction. What is your north? Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends. So we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways. And again, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast.